welcome to Gin and Topic. Woo! We are here for another series. Yep, another one. Just keeps happening. Just it keeps does. going. It does. And so we got loads of gins. Oh yeah, tons of gin. Tons of gin. Tons of experts. Yeah. Tons of topics. Well, and that's the thing, you see. Give us a gin. Talk to anyone. We will. Mm. We will talk to anyone about anything. So yeah, we're going to talk to a ton of people about loads of stuff over gin. And I'm going to make rude comments while we do it to stay on brand. <laughs> and you never know, we might actually learn some stuff. We might even remember stuff. <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Hi. <laughs> We're here again, and guess what? What? We got two gins today. Two. Whoop, whoop. It's, it's a, a double gin day. day. Oh, bloody a hell. double, okay. double gin day. Yeah. But I'll tell you more about that in a minute. That's not going to end well for us. I hope you know I that. I think it will end swimmingly. Mm. 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 <laughs> Love a double gin day. Right. We have got Dr. Giles Yo. Mm. And you might know. Dr. Giles Yeo from Trust Me, I'm a Doctor. Have you ever watched any of those? I absolutely have not. No. no. Okay. Well, he's been on that. He's been on loads of BBC Sorry, type Giles. things. I'm sure you're really um, good. If you're going on Strictly this year, I'll know you. Oh, maybe we should get him. You should ask him. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Giles Yeo is a Principal Research Associate in the Metabolic Research Laboratories and MRC Metabolic Disease Unit at Cambridge University. Right, okay. I understood some of that, I think. Um, so he is another guest with a wiki page. <gasps> Love a wiki page. Mm -hmm. He's written books. He's oh, presented nice. on TV, such as, trust me, I'm a doctor. He's got his own podcast, Giles Yo. Choose the Fat. I think I've heard of Choose the Fat. Have you? He yeah. does lots of tweeting about food. Nice. Um, two loads of pictures of his cooking, yeah. which is just like we too like that. much. Yeah. I look at it, I'm like, oh, I don't want sausage and mash that I'm doing. I want your sticky ribs that you've <laughs> just posted. Um, I could go for some sticky ribs. And last year he was awarded an MBE. Oh, how Delightful. I know. Oh, oh. So he has an MBE for his um, research that he's done. And his subject is basically he's a geneticist. Yeah. Um, and he's got 20 odd years experience of studying obesity. Bloody hell. I know. And the study that he does is the obesity and the brain's control of food intake. <laughs> Shall we ask him about the fact that whenever I'm sad, I either eat everything or nothing? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That would be a good one. He can talk to you about that. I'm um, not sure I want him to. Well, and our subject is obesity. Yes. Is obesity a choice? No, not always. That's my initial reaction. <laughs> um, so we can talk to him what we know about obesity or what we know about food. Um, and yeah, he will talk to us about the brain and what it does to make us eat lots of food. At the end of this, I am going to be so hungry. Yeah. What have we got for dinner? <laughs> Having just mentioned his sticky ribs and the fact that I wouldn't want sausage and mash, that's what we, we got. We got sausage and mash? Yeah. Oh, I quite like sausage and mash. I'm okay with that. Pre-prepared in nice. the kitchen. Well done. Ready for after. Lovely. Yes. And um, um, what are we drinking with Giles? Oh, okay. So um, Giles 
suggested a gin because it was a gin he had in his cupboard. Love that. I love when people do that because you know what? We shouldn't always be going out to buy new gin just because of this. It's a lovely excuse, but we should also be sustainable and drink the gin we already have. And if you're not really a gin drinker, but somebody's given you a bottle of gin, gin. use the opportunity. So that's what we got because um, Giles... Uh, belongs to Naked Wines. Oh, Giles, I'm going to love you. I can already tell. <laughs> and in fact, he doesn't just buy it from Naked Wines. He's one of their angels. So like, you know, uh, a, a membership oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. And as part of the angels, they gave uh, him in one order, mm. obviously spent a lot of money on wine. Mm-hmm. Um, as you should. Gave him a bottle of gin. And nice. the bottle is Short Cross, which is Irish. Oh, love it. Um, Short Cross Gin, but the one he's got is Short Cross Angels Gin, which was specifically Ooh, made, made for, yeah. for the Naked Wine Angels. Oh, isn't that bougie? And because we couldn't go and get it, I went to his house with a couple of dram bottles and made him pour us some. <laughs> <laughs> so we've nicked some from him. Oh, that's nice of him. But in return, I told you it was a two gin episode. So I thought if we were going to nick some of his gin, then I would give him some of ours. So I bought us a short cross Rosie's Garden gin. Okay. Um, And I thought, well, at least we'll have something that's connected with food. I'm looking at it and I'm scared, everybody. It's pink. It's it's not just pink. It's like slap you round the face fuchsia. It's actually the same colour as the um, wine, uh, the alcohol Alcohol, thing. Yeah, sticker. Yeah, it's it's bright. It is pink, pink, pink. So it is um, inspired by the founder Fiona's mother. Rosie. And it made me also think that it's Irish and Grandma Rosie. We have a Grandma Rosie. (laughs) Um, And so it was, Rosie was always in her garden tending fruits and herbs. And so this is inspired and it's basically got strawberries, raspberries, chamomile Mm -hmm. um, and lots of garden yumminess. Mm -hmm. And it's really pink. So we've got a dry gin and a pink one. Excellent. And we're putting what with what is my next question. Well, we're going to put the dry with lemon and Mediterranean Ooh. tonic, I think, nice. just for a little little Mediterranean-ness. Delightful. And then we're going to move on to the Rosie's Garden with an elderflower tonic. Lovely. So we get a little bit more gardenness. in That the means glass. I have to drink this gin and then have another one. <laughs> Oh, wait. Hold up a moment, everybody. Hold up. What are you going to get? She's off. She's gone in the cupboard. I'm going to pour the tonic while she is bringing whatever it is. Well, look, little shot glasses. Well, one of them is is actually... in case we want to try... An Ikea tankard. Um, Not Ikea. (laughs) Spoons. I stole it from Spoons. Look, here's my thing. I don't morally like going spoons because I think the guy who owns it is a dickhead. So my rule is I go and I steal something every time I'm there so that I'm like, you know, balancing it out. Um, Good place style. Nice. I'm doing them with, these are just little um, singles. That's fine. I just wanted, in case I I didn't drink it all and I wanted a backup. And I also bought my... um, Shot glass that my mother got for me, my actual biological mother, yeah. that says Gin Vincible. And it nice. says, well, 
a load of it's actually rubbed off, but it's the temporary feeling of something one has after consuming gin. So yeah, there you go. Spare glasses, just in case. Fabulous. So all we need now is Giles. Oh, that was so so good. (laughs) And he appears knocking on the Zoom room door. You need to not call it that. What? The Zoom room door. Really? Yeah, no. Uh, I'm going to veto that. No, okay. Should we let him in? Yeah. So pour your tonic. I think right, we need right, to start right, drinking. Right, right, right. Doing that. I'll, I'll try and catch catch some sound effects. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, just brilliant. This is not my first rodeo. I'm going to point out. Now I don't know how much. I'm not a big gin drink. I don't know how much um, tonic one typically adds. So I put a shot in. You know, twenty five mils. How much? To- yeah. And this is 150 mils. How much tonic? This sounds really, really stupid. I would probably do the whole can if it was okay. me. Would you? It, well, it depends how you like your gin. Well, I kind of, I'd be, yeah, inclined to do the whole can. Yeah. Fine, fine, because we're supposed to be having a conversation here, and I, if I end up pissed, because remember, I, I, I do have, <laughs> I, I'm genetically inferior when it actually comes to the oh, ability to handle alcohol. I can handle my alcohol, but I only have <laughs> half the number of genes it, it takes yeah. to handle the alcohol. So I feel that let's go with at least... Whole can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rather yeah. than a double. And it's not a double. I didn't put a double in. And of course, because we've got a double gin episode as well with the two <laughs> different gins. So it could be quite messy. <laughs> oh, look, you've done the pink one too. Oh. <gasps> One for each hand. Is it not supposed to be the pink one? Well, we were going to do that in a minute once we drank this one, but I think that's a great idea. And I would like to put a little in the shot glass too because I do want to try Rosie's neat. See, I knew it. I knew you would. There you go. I know. Right, so a little neat. Oh, Oh, look at that colour. It's fabulous. It actually looks really cute. And and this is the same short short cross people that that you got? Yes. um, Ah. Yes, yeah, so they, um, because we couldn't get hold of the angels, um, they do all sorts of different ones. Ooh. And it's, um, it, oh, I just noticed it's Northern Ireland's first craft gin distillery as well. Very first one. Smells. I don't know where to go. I've got two glasses and I don't know which one to try next. First, next, first. first. Oh, that's a nice pink gin. Now the question is whether or not you'd be able to tell it was pink if this was done under black lights, under uh, you know, not black lights, um, infrared lights. You know how you do it with the tasting people. I feel like I would pick up a sort of pink berry tang, but I'm not sure I would straight away go to that's a pink gin because it's not that overly sweet pink yeah. gin. Yeah, mm. I think that maybe you'd put a raspberry in yeah. with the um, tonic. That is mm. really nice. I have a little try. You're going to go for a neat, okay. Right, so taste it and tell me what what you get. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Because it isn't sweet. No, it isn't sweet. Do you get cucumber? I get alcohol, Sarah. (laughs) I get cucumber as well as... 
And maybe that's the elderflower. I, I I tasted it neat too because I was curious what it tasted yeah. like. This pink thing, it looked very, it looked very alcohol yes. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't sweet at all. But mm. I once diluted once with the yeah. tonic, and chilled down. Mm. They they okay. Once again, I can see the color. So clearly, it's my it's my primitive red berry yep. brain. Red berry, delicious, <laughs> right? So so clearly, I can't remove this red berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, literally, rose tinted glasses for for for, for this. Um, thinking this tastes like fruity, mm-hmm. but I I just swear that it tastes fruitier. Than than this ice cold. See, I haven't know. tried this yeah. one yet, so I'm ready to compare now. Okay, so this is the Angel's Gin is a dry gin. What oh, it's a lovely me? dry gin. Oh, it's smooth. It's nice. Oh yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Um, now can I just blow Anya's mind? Because God, here we go. Here we go. Rosie's gin. Do you know what they suggest you should pair it with? What? Lemonade. But Sicilian lemonade. Oh, piss off. (laughs) Anya is dead against tonic and lemonade. Sicilian lemonade is not the bubbly lemonade. Sicilian lemonade is... tartar and less, yeah. Which is just so... Made with Sicilian lemons. (sighs) Uh, of course. We might have to try it. Oh, we can try it, but I'm just going to feel ridiculous drinking it. Your angel's gin is lovely. Oh no! And I, this is the first time I've actually. Oh, I cracked really it open. Um, this is the first time I've. I got it at around Christmas. I didn't get it. They, like I said, they sent it to me um, after I bought my Christmas just a little, of wine. a little bit oh, of said, wine. This is, very, this is this is this is very. This is I know exactly. This is very uh, polite of them, and I've never opened it because I don't know. I mean, this you see, doing this and and sitting here drinking mm-hmm. with you ladies, I don't feel like an alcoholic. I feel this is perfectly <laughs> suitable for whatever reason. I can drew beer and I can do wine yeah. by myself. You know, um, because my wife is not a big drinker. She can only drink. She can only drink the most expensive sparkling champagne. Oh, of course. Yes. Of course. Of course. Yes. So otherwise she gets a migraine. And so she says, yeah, the more expensive it is, the less likely I have to have a migraine. <laughs> anyway. I totally so my understand point is, it. And I'm sure there is science to back that up. Absolutely. I am sure. So my point is I'm enjoying it with you guys and I'm feeling very um, social. Yes. And and as if that I can continue to be part of society. So this is a good thing. Oh, good. Excellent. Good. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not sure I've ever been part of society, but we'll pretend. Thank you for sharing your angels. um, And enjoying Rosie's tea. Um, We're talking obesity, Mm -hmm. which, of course, I'm just ignoring that gin isn't just like water and we can't necessarily just drink it easy peasy um but we're talking about obesity and is obesity a choice mm-hmm. now <laughs> this is the bit that you get to enjoy drinking your gin and listening to our ignorance and yeah what do we know well i recently read a book called food isn't medicine by Dr. Joshua Waltridge, who I love. I follow him on Instagram. Have you got it there? Please tell me you got it there. I, he sent me a signed copy. <laughs> he says... Um... <laughs> oh my God. I get to have a complete moment of excitement now. With a note to me, with a note to me, he said, Giles, I hope we get to chat over a coffee one day. Would love to hear what you think of my book. Oh, well, I can tell him what I think, but it won't be as cool. <laughs> Well, we'll get him to chat over a gin rather yeah, than a perfect. coffee. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I really like his book because I really enjoy the health every size approach that he talks about and about food not being medicine and allowing yourself to enjoy food. And I've grown up at a time where I think diet culture is a lot. It's a lot on social media yeah. and also just, you know, I grew up with like Slimming World posters around my school, which I'm fairly sure is not a healthy thing that to put around right, school. No. Around a school? Yeah, around they like school. put them on the outside barriers and they like oh. taped them up that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How, now, which, how, just, just out of curiosity, how, what year of school was this? Uh, so that would have been high school. So that was year seven to 11. So I would have joined when I was about 12 and I was there till I was 16-ish. Golly. Yeah. That is something. And I knew people who went and Weight Watchers adverts on TV all the time. You see, I've, gr- I've grown up through the the, all the weird diet fads, yeah. like that one where you had to just eat bacon and it was all just basically high-fat foods. That was all you ate was like bacon and ham and eggs and forget any green things or any anything else. So I've grown up all the way through that kind of thing. And my grandfather, obsessing over his weight, mm. he used to swear by a cabbage soup diet. I know about this, yes. That he would do, like, every few months, he'd put himself on a carob- cabbage soup diet, but he would then snack on salted peanuts. <laughs> so he wasn't hungry. <laughs> um, but in Well, terms- you see, then it works. <laughs> In terms, I mean, there's always been all those weird diets around me, but in terms of actual knowledge of obesity, Mm. I'm not sure I know a tremendous lot that I know to be fact. Yes, I think there's a lot of misinformation. And I think growing up, I was always told it was a choice and you had to go out of your way and all this. And I'm like, "Ah, that's not always true because I've done a lot of re-educating myself in recent years. And I'm like, hmm. So I don't think it's always a choice. Yeah. And even if it is, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, there is that too. There is that too. Anyway, that would be my level of knowledge. Fairly low, but not non-existent. Yeah, I think our knowledge is lots of little things that have been gleaned that might not always be true. Mm. I, I just don't think you're that far wrong, to be fair. I think you're certainly more informed then dare i say the people that run our country for example <laughs> just just oh oh sorry that forest tiktok's coming back to me where it's the mashup of him going my friends i was too fat too fat too fat too fat you see that's brilliant <laughs> yeah. it's a dubstep version of his speech that he I did have. yes it's so brilliant. good it's brilliant <laughs> yeah yeah we try to forget who's running our country oh, yeah. to be honest yeah. so 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 the question is what is obesity and people say, well, I know what obesity is. Just people that are too fat. I, 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 think there's a more, I think there's a more nuanced answer to obesity. And I think obesity is carrying too much mm-hmm. fat that it begins to influence your health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, it, it, it say, so I think that's a more new, and you might think, well, is it really? And yeah. I think it is. Because then, this then leads to the question, mm-hmm. how much is too much? Mm-hmm. And that's the $64 million question. And I think, and I think, so I guess it's a good place to start. So why why is it bad to carry too much fat? So I people people um, misunderstand what happens when you gain weight or lose mm-hmm. weight. They they think you gain fat cells, which is why people hate fat. 
Okay. And lo- and you lose fat cells. So in other words, you gain fat cells when you get fatter and you lose fat cells when you get mm. thinner. And actually that's not true. You got to consider your fat that your fat your number of fat cells are like your muscle cells. They stay the same roughly the same number, but they get bigger mm. or smaller. So fat cells are like balloons. So they fill up with fat and as you mm. gain weight and then they lose the fat when you when, when you actually lose weight. Um but they stay the, the mm. same number. And the safest place to have fat is in your fat cells because it's your professional fat storage yeah. organ, okay? It's only when it's not there. It's when it's in other places, like such as your muscles, your liver, your kidneys, then you get into all kinds of pr- tr- trouble because they begin to interfere with the normal function of the other, of mm-hmm. your other organs. And then you tilt into metabolic, into metabolic mm-hmm. problems. So it's because it's very seldom actually being... Uh, actually having obesity mm, itself yeah. that kills you. There are gravitational issues mm. such, such, such as your knees, um, um, you know, sleep apnea, which is where there's so much fat on your chest that you can't, you, you can't breathe properly. There's elements of that, but that seldom kills you. What kills you is the metabolic mm. problems when they go into other, into other organs. But what is really interesting and we're beginning to find out is that different people can store different amounts mm. of fat safely. <sighs> So East Asian people, people that look like me, Chinese people, and and South Asian people, so um, Indians, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis. So famously, we can't really gain all that much mm-hmm. weight before we are at risk of mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. and other metabolic disorders. Whereas white people, um, Polynesians famously, can get really, really yeah. large before they get into the same risk of actually getting disease. And a large part of that is because... Our fat cannot. Our fat will get to a certain mm-hmm. size before fat. Then before it's before there's no room yeah. at the end. Whereas other people has has fat that can actually expand expand yeah. larger. So there can be health at many sizes. You can have larger people who are perfectly metabolically healthy and skinny people with mm-hmm, type two yeah. diabetes, but you can't have health at mm-hmm. every size yeah. because if I or you surpass your personal safe fat carrying mm-hmm. capacity. You will become ill. So that's the new one. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to what we were saying about being surrounded by all these weird diets and being the focus on being fat, bad, losing weight. Good. Inspirational. Yeah. And that whole dieting, dieting to lose weight. Mm. Weight. Yeah. Is to lose weight rather than trying to reduce the amount of fat to become yeah. healthier. And 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 then the problem is we now equate weight with mm. beauty. So was it what two years ago, one and a half years ago, Adele, the the the, the singer? Yes. Oh my god, this gets me so annoyed. Reappeared. <sighs> reappeared, mm, yeah. right? Okay, half the woman yeah. she was. But she was half the woman yet. I mean, everyone was almost almost panting mm-hmm. at, at, at how much weight she had lost, about how mm-hmm. beautiful she looked, indicating with the entire tenor of the conversation that therefore she was less of a woman when she was mm, more yeah. of a woman. And she's more of a woman, now she's less mm-hmm. of a woman, which is very, very annoying. And, that, and that's what it is, right? People look and say, oh, she's she, lost mm-hmm. weight. She's now more mm-hmm. beautiful. She's a better person. And, and, and all of this stuff. Whereas if... And that's not the point. I mean, look, if anyone can choose to lose weight and if they're successful, mm-hmm. good on them, okay? Because if they choose to lose weight and are successful, then yeah, it probably is going to be healthier mm-hmm. for them. But are they more beautiful? 
And that's the question, right? And I, and I don't think necessarily, I don't think necessarily so. Mm. And of course, that's faddy, isn't it? Because if we go back to um, medieval times <laughs> and Henry VIII being a big fat man, um, and all of that time that that it it was more attractive mm-hmm. to be fatter because it then showed that you had more money, that you could afford to all better foods or not necessarily better foods, but more rich foods you could consume more. And so that was more attractive, um, especially in those sort of upper classes. And then there was the era I grew up in where heroin chic was in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Heroin, heroin chic. chic. That was a really healthy wow. time for society. Yeah. 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 And then you get onto all those models and the horrendous... Oh, things that they put bodies through but but actually they put themselves yeah. through that the heroin chic or smoking yeah. for that matter probably i mean okay once you smoke you can get addicted to, addicted to smoking i know that but actually we know that smoking is actually a very effective way it will kill you but is a very effective way of keeping yeah. your weight down because it's it suppresses appetite. your yeah. appetite yeah, yeah. And 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 so it's a good, and this is why all these models smoke. Well, uh, you know, many of these models smoke like trains. I think not because, you know, they necessarily enjoy smoking to be to to, to begin mm. with, but it was a mm. useful way of actually helping them mm. keep their weight down. And so this links also to um, it was Michael Mosley, wasn't it, that was on TV talking about um, uh, toffees being thin on the outside, fat on the inside. And the fact that you can keep your appetite down and be perceived to be thin and healthy, but actually internally, as you were saying, fat stored in places you don't necessarily want it stored. Exactly. Exactly. So there's two different, I mean, there are two aspects to being to being healthy is not carrying too much fat. And once again, this differs between mm-hmm. different human beings. But actually, a more useful indicator of health is how much I mean, because they say lean mass, but actually we're talking about muscle. How much muscle mass you have in ratio to the amount of fat that you have. That's a more important number. So, so this is why you can see people like sumo wrestlers and, and you know, and the, the, the bigger rugby guys or the American football players on the line. Those are big guys. You wouldn't call them skinny or even lean, but they carry so much muscle mm-hmm. mass compared to their fat as a ratio mm, yeah. <laughs> even you know it will faster but you, you, you compared to me they're for the ones who you look at their size and you go damn <laughs> yeah exactly look damn. at these guys how much do you have to eat or do, after the olympics yeah. you know now the, you, you know i love watching the olympics <laughs> because it's darwinism <laughs> in, uh, in body shape and size don't you think you, you you see the high jumpers you go oh my god that lady i don't know if you watched any of this i was uh, i was addicted to the olympics the lady who broke the triple jump world record. Oh, I think I saw something about this. The Venezuelan Rojas. And and she was this gazelle like oh, yeah. thing. I, I mean I mean I mean you 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 know you looked at it and go, wow. You compare her to then the sprinters. Anyway, my 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 point this is not my point. My point is that that people focus on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I think we need to focus, my argument would be that. Rather than focusing on beauty, which is fine, it's, it's fine to look beautiful because there's no reason to to, to but not. But that try is and in the beautiful. eye of the beholder. But it a it's in the eye of the beholder, and surely you should really concern yourself more with being mm. healthy mm. rather than necessarily trying to lose weight. I mean, this, by the way, is the reason why liposuction oh. for cosmetic reasons. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is, there are 
there are reasons yeah. to do liposuction for mm-hmm. medical reasons. Mm-hmm. But for cosmetic reasons, it's the stu- I think yeah. it should be bad. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the stupidest thing in the world you can do. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're removing fat cells. You're removing safe mm-hmm. fat-carrying capacity. You are turning yourself into a toffee. Yeah. Because what <laughs> happens is you're removing fat cells so that you can store less fat mm-hmm. safely. No, no matter how big you were to begin with. So liposuction is making you look good, but more unhealthy just by the act of doing it. It's It should be bad yeah. to, to, to my mind. But it is crazy because I think so much of, you know, the messaging around getting healthy is about being the best version of you because you'll be aesthetically pleasing that way. And it's like, that should not be the, the first reason. Oh. I think that if you are healthy enough, if you get yourself into healthy enough to do what you want to do, this could be playing a game, this could be walking to the shop, this could be playing with your grandchildren or mm-hmm. your kids, whatever the reason you'd like to be mm-hmm. to be healthy mm-hmm. so you can be more mobile and what have you. So if you get to the point where you are healthy and happy with yourself, your weight will look after mm-hmm. itself. This doesn't mean you'll end up looking like, I wish I looked like Brad Pitt. <laughs> but you know, there's any number of different genetic problems that will prevent me from looking yeah, like Brad Pitt. I've always wanted but legs I... <laughs> right up to my armpits, but they don't go that far. They, they don't go that far. Yours and do, you blame yes, yours you know do. who to blame? But me... you know, you're not, you're not biologically the... connected to me But then I've always wished that my exactly. legs were shorter because as a five for eight woman, I'm there all the time going... Oh, I'm going to be the giant in this photo tonight. So there you go. <laughs> and I can always bash you over just by hitting you with my hips. Because you've got mega hips. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have already learned something that I didn't know before, which I am still, mm. it's boggling my mind. And I'm like, whoa, I wish somebody had explained that to me in terms of the fact that you have a certain number of fat cells and that the fat cells get bigger. It's not like the adipose. You don't get more of them. But there's... Did you just make a doctor? I do. I'm so proud of you. But that they expand and and can reduce. Yes. And I just... Yeah. Fab. Um, Here's something I question. Is it true that women and men tend to store their fat in different ways? Yes, so that that is true because women and men are clearly different yeah. different shapes. This is the the the, the pear shape versus apple shape type of scenario. <laughs> now, clearly, women tend to be pear shaped, although this is not exclusively mm-hmm. true. And women um, and and men tend to be apple shaped, but once again, this is not exclusively mm-hmm. true. I'm a spoon, just like head. You're a body. spoon, just no curve, all spoon. <laughs> So I have not heard of spoon. I have heard of guitar syndrome. So guitar syndrome is 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 my great grandma said, "Well, darling, you're a lovely spoon, head, body." (laughs) I love this. So we've got it. We've got an apple. We've got a pear. We've got a spoon. And now you're saying there's a guitar shape as well. No, guitar guitar shaped is just sort of like a slightly more a slightly more exaggerated pear, where you have a really really you got a really really skinny top. So it's the opposite of a spoon, and then a really, really skinny top, and then and then a, a larger, a larger bum, and and this fight. This is just the way. You're the guitar. I'm the spoon. <laughs> I'm the double bass. <laughs> the double. Are you a double bass? But and here, here, here. So look, Sarah. This is this to store the fat around your double bass. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's important. The baby got back yeah. in here. Yeah, it's all about the bass. It as is. They say. 
uh, is actually it is actually metabolically healthier than storing it around your your so, so your tummy <laughs> rather than this storing it around your head. <laughs> I, I I have also got a very very large and round head. My head is so round. You can calculate you can calculate pi. You, you, you know, with my head, it's so it's it's it's, it's spoons united. So I know I dig where you're coming from. No, no, I don't have a spoon. I've, I've, I'm I'm what you would draw like the typical round head, round anyway, anyway. So, but but it's the reason. So women store fat more. Um, women can store more fat mm. safely than men, which is why men have increased risk of cardiovascular, of yeah. heart disease and, and and diabetes. Because there, we're not even talking about ethnicity, yeah. we're just talking about mm. sex. And so, yes, the, the, the answer is women not only store in different places, they also store it in healthier places, on mm. average, than mm. men. And so can we talk about BMI then? Oh. Because talking about mm-hmm. body shapes and everything makes me think of your brother and the fact that he's, he's always been underweight, <laughs> as would be yeah. classed with BMI. The same as dad, with stupid fast metabolism, super tall. Yeah, he's also yeah. a teenager that's been growing. Yeah. I mean, let's deal with that. Oh, We'll deal with the fast metabolism in a second. BMI, let's deal with so, BMI. But BMI, I was also, I remember a friend of mine. Do you want to hear a triggering mine? memory I have with BMI? Oh, yeah. So yeah. it was a maths class in school and they made us all work out our BMI and then it got put on the board. Oh. Shut up. So a friend of mine yeah. got a letter sent home <gasps> about her daughter's BMI. No. And she chose not to tell her daughter yeah, a no. thing because she was 13 at the time. And, you know, yeah. going through huge amounts of change. And yet the school felt they needed to say that her BMI was a bit That's high. Just... So so first, we'll deal with the age mm. thing. And and so BMI, for, 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 you, for your listeners, is, is your... Um, uh, weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters square. It's an effort to try and normalize your weight for your height. Because we are all average, all of us. Because yes. we're all because we're all average, like a piece of yes. wood, completely homogenous. But it is some effort. Okay, some effort. And and incidentally, the BMI um, ranges, which indicate where someone is uh, has obesity or overweight and what have you. Uh, were done largely on white, not largely, the initial uh, um, things, the initial um, numbers were actually worked out from white Caucasians. So that's mm. the other, that's the other mm. problem as well, where you're only dealing with one ethnicity when you're, when you're, when you're mm-hmm. dealing, when you're dealing with it. But they change very, very wildly uh, in kids. And in fact, in kids, we don't use BMI per se at mm. all. I'll come back to why we use BMI at all. But in kids, particularly younger kids and teenagers, in which you because teenagers we don't teenagers do not grow sort of <laughs> no. uniformly. They kind of go yeah. no. You know, you it's might go up and suddenly widen out and, yes. or widen out and then so shoot up. Weird. Yeah, shoes suddenly too small. <laughs> School uniform suddenly outgrown. Yes, right. So it's and it depends on your genes. Suddenly you've got very big feet. Boys suddenly have these duck yes. feet, right? So suddenly their feet grow before their yeah. head. It all looks yeah. very weird. And so BMI in kids is, we don't use it. Well, we use what we call a Z-score. And this is for age, sex, and ethnicity specific, 
how many standard deviations are you away from the mean for your age, your sex, and your mm-hmm. um, and your ethnicity? Because it's going to differ. Mm. And even then, it's not actually telling you too much, except for if at the extremes, then the likelihood is you probably are carrying too much fat, and that's it. So BMI per se, for someone like a 13, for something like a 13-year-old, is meaningless it's 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 meaningless because you don't know where this this 13 year old is going to go what stage is she is she actually getting to so i guess the question is why we use bmi at all okay and we use bmi because it's free it's free because it's your height and it's your weight um that's the first thing and secondly it is not subject to imagination okay it's an empirical Mm -hmm. number unless you lie but (laughs) someone can measure you so 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 it's an empirical number. So it's very cheap because it's free to 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 measure, and you can do genetics with it, okay? Because 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 you're not imagining sort of the the BMI that is there. So it is designed to tell and track population level movements. Mm. So in other words, if you were taking the population of a town, a city, or country, and say, "Ooh, we're going to do an intervention, whatever the intervention might be, taxing or 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 more playgrounds or cycle lanes, whatever it is." Then you might say that, "Well, we're going to take the we're going to take the distribution of BMI and see has it shifted at mm. all mm. and use that to try mm. to track the effectiveness of it." Okay? So at a population level, sadly, the higher your BMI on average, the more fat you're likely to carry. So this is this is true, okay? Now, the problem is on an individual level, mm. it is yeah. very mm. poor. Mm. Back to the back to the Olympic scenario, we have seen people all of completely differing sizes, the heavyweight boxers, the taekwondo, the judo people, you know, the weightlifters who who are clearly entirely perfectly mm-hmm. healthy. And actually, if you even take someone like my weight, like 75 kilos, so this is my weight, Compared to some of the athletes, I can guarantee you that the amount of fat and lean mass I'm carrying is going to differ significantly <laughs> to an exactly weighed 75 kilo yeah. Olympian. <laughs> so, so on an individual basis, for a for a health reason, in order to make a dis- if you were using BMI exclusively to make a health mm. care decision on an individual, mm, mm. it's it's very very not useful. Mm, mm. I don't even know how much I weigh. I refuse to weigh myself, mm. so I have no idea. <laughs> so if they ask me, yeah, but if you're a spoon, a spoon. <laughs> if you're a spoon, then then by its very definition, then you're not gonna. Well, I'm writing this. I'm taking notes. <laughs> then you're not going to. No, I think you know people. I I don't have issues with people mm. weighing themselves. If they feel they need to lose weight because they mm-hmm. want to be healthier, yeah, sure. Let let you you know we can work out strategies for you to for, mm-hmm. for you to do that. The main issue is BMI, your weight. These are numbers that we have come to worship. Yeah. We have. We have and that was my worship. issue. I got hung up yeah. on like, what should I be weighing? And I was like, why does it matter? You feel fine. So I just don't bother anymore because mm. I don't want to get mm. stressed about exactly. it. And then you can concentrate on the healthy lifestyle. Do you mean, do you mean my Correct. gym lad status, exactly. Sarah? Thank your you very much. Status. I am gym lad. <laughs> <laughs> Professional weightlifter. Professional weightlifter, as my boss calls me the other day. I'm really not. I'm not going to the Olympics anytime soon. <laughs> I was going to ask, are you really a gym a gym bro? Or I gym like to bro? go to uh, the gym, but I'm not a gym bro, and I'm definitely not a professional weightlifter. But it was a nice compliment from my boss. But you do you do lift weights? I do lift weights. Yeah. yeah, which is very good for you because it increases because it increases your muscle mass, and that is the one thing which is which is 
linked linked to health. That is a very good thing to link to health. So to say that if you have more muscle mass, you're likely to be healthier. That is a statement that you can that you can make for 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 sure. In fact, in fact, if anything, older people, people as they get as they get older, need to continue not need to not ignore Mm -hmm. resistance training, strength training, for the very reason where where it is linked to to just a better. It doesn't extend your life. But it makes your life as you're older better. Yeah. You can talk about your parents. Yes. My parents in their 70s have just taken up kettlebells. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Cool. This is good for them. So, so, cool. so proud. <laughs> Who would have known that my gym kettlebell class at uni could have started all of this? <laughs> okay, so um, going back to obesity being a choice... So we yes. got um, ethnicity. Yeah, that's a factor. Y- Sex. Y- yeah. Go on. I was reminding you because you looked like you were struggling. No, I was only going to sort of ask where does the choice come in in terms of right. yeah how I mean we don't sit there and go okay today I will choose obesity so <laughs> where does that come in? Yeah, very few people, if any, choose to be overweight or to or, or to have obesity very few people okay this is not to say that they're bad people but you don't tend to choose um, um, um to do so so i'm a geneticist so i study i study genes um and i happen to study body weight so obesity clearly sits on one end of the spectrum of body weight but the sort of skinniness and being being yeah. overly lean and and we now understand people always think i'm a crazy and b gif fat people and people who are overweight an excuse because I studied their genes, but I, I don't, right? I don't. In fact, if I was studying the genetics of heart disease or the genetics of arthritis, which no one would accuse me of giving people who with heart disease an mm-hmm. excuse. So, but now we know that studying the genetics of body weight is by its very definition, studying the genetics of how our brain controls our mm-hmm. food intake. So, so you do have to eat more than you burn in order to gain weight because it's physics. But so that's why people that's why people argue why are we having this 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 episode at all, mm. right? But obesity is so simple. It's it's people. Oh, eat too I unfollow much. anybody on Instagram who goes as simple as calories in versus calories out. I mean, it is technically technically, <laughs> technically from a physics <laughs> perspective, right? So it is sort of kind of yes, but where the bar, where the genetics lies. Isn't why? It's why people behave so differently around food. And what do I mean by that? So why do some people respond to stress by eating? <clears throat> That's, That's me. me. That's me. Whereas Although other... I either eat... Are you a stress eater? Are you a stress eater? It's either I eat everything in sight or I just don't even want to think about food. Like I, I go one or the other way. Ooh, this is, an, this is a new phenotype. So I have not heard, this must be the spoon type of phenotype. <laughs> I know exactly what it comes down to. It's the type of stress. If it's emotional stress, straight to the ah. food. If I'm like physically stressed out, I'm, I, I feel sick, like so I don't want to eat. Crunchy the dog can't eat when he's stressed. Exactly. As soon as it starts to thunder, he won't eat. So it does depend what kind of, what, what kind of yeah. stress. Clearly, everybody responds universally to tiger stress. Okay. <laughs> run like hell and you're not hungry. When a tiger is chasing you, there is no appetite Mm -hmm. problems. You're going (laughs) straight out of here. But but the interesting thing is the emotional or work stress Mm -hmm. or that kind of um, um, just the everyday life stress there is a diamet there's a bimodal diametric opposite uh, things because there's some my wife for Mm -hmm. example 
will respond to stress by not eating. Mm. If she's stressed in, in any way whatsoever, she says, mm, I'm mm. off my food. I, I won't do it. Whereas for me, suddenly I crave a big bowl of noodles oh. when, 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 I get, when I get stressed. Proper spicy, mm. maybe with like some sesame seeds. Ramen oh. type, definitely. Yeah. Made with lots of bones. You see, I said, I said, you know, it didn't matter what we were going to have for dinner tonight. We'll because talk to Giles no. and we'll want whatever he's cooking. But I know my two massive stress foods, pasta. Mm-hmm. You know I love my pasta. Mm-hmm. And when I'm stressed, I really love my pasta. Or a family-sized bag of Tyrrell's sweet chili crisps. <laughs> <sighs> so people typically, A, will tilt towards carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. You know, you never emotionally eat a banana. <laughs> I'm just you saying, don't. you don't. Okay, so, so, <laughs> so, or even, or even, let's go high end. You never assess, oh my God, I'm stressed. I'm going to have sashimi. <laughs> I love sashimi, but you don't. I had stress ordered sushi before though. <laughs> no, but that's because yes! of the rice. That's because of the rice, not because of the no, sashimi. No, that makes me feel physically sick at the thought of just binging <laughs> on sashimi. <laughs> You don't stress eat raw fish. So, so, but whereas carbohydrates, you can have a lot. My point is, why is there this opposite yeah. response to stress? Then there's others. There's other. Why do some people appear to get fuller quicker yeah. than others? And this is a true. This is a true thing. This is not something someone made up. Why do some people feel hungrier mm-hmm. all the time? And once again, this is not made up either. And so we now realize there are over a thousand genes that are influencing your BMI. But almost all of them exist within the brain and influence your behavior around food. And so the genetics influences the physics. So what happens is your genes influence the way you behave around food. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the physics. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I love food more for a myriad of different Mm -hmm. reasons. So I eat more, so I gain weight. And is there Mm -hmm. something to be said about nature nurture as well? Because it may not be food, but my response, if I've had a long stressful day, is... I'm going to have an alcoholic beverage. And I don't know where that might have come from. I don't know where that came no. from. No, no idea. No, it definitely wasn't the day after college where I, I came home and I said, from. Sarah, I'm really stressed out. She said, here, try this gin. Gin and tonic. <laughs> I have no influence. And no influence. But is that also learned behaviour as well, where you have this predisposition genetically perhaps and then also you are taught that? Oh, un- undoubtedly. because And you can tell this... Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I guess let's go to the question of, well, how much of your feeding Mm -hmm. behavior, okay, which, like I said, by definition, we're talking about BMI, we're talking about feeding behavior, how much of it is going to be down to your Mm -hmm. genes versus the environment? Mm -hmm. So the numbers, and and these numbers have been worked out using twins. So you have identical twins and non-identical twins. And what you do is you see the variation and look at the weight. You're and the never heritability. out to work so when you're the... a twin, are you? Oh, twins are always you in demand. There are so many demands for twins. Twin restaurants, twins bars, twins in, in scientific experiments. I think experiments. you get a head start in life. You get a head start in life. This is the way I figure if you've got Useful twins. for acting as well. Take the, the Sprouse twins. Absolutely. They needed to have, you know, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> heritability percentage of a variance of a given trait that's down to your genes of of body weight is between 40 and 70 percent so it's a range it's not a single number and the reason there's a range is because the environment plays Mm. a big role so your drive to eat is clearly then influencing what you might like and what you might have which is going to be influenced by what's Mm -hmm. around you and what Mm. you've learned i mean let's just even deal culturally Mm. okay which by its very definition is there are some genes involved of course but there's also a taught so i back up into a bowl yeah. of noodles. 
right? Whereas whereas you said we see pasta, which is noodles, so that probably doesn't count. But I, I for example, I'm not a big bread person, and not not because I don't, I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. I, mean, I don't not, I don't dislike bread. Mm-hmm. I'll obviously eat a sarni, but yeah. I could if I didn't have bread in the house at all, you'd be okay. I would be perfectly happy not if to I didn't stereotype have rice myself, or noodles. But if I didn't have potatoes in the house well, to absolutely. make to make cheesy mashed potato, <laughs> I'm half Irish. I'm a little obsessed with them. <laughs> But this is hugely cultural. So, so now the so there is going to be genes in people who love their carbs compared to fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be genes who people who have a sweet tooth mm-hmm. versus uh, people who have a more savory tooth. Okay, mm-hmm. and savory tooth is not a thing, but they prefer savory food to, to 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 pudding. So these are all real. But then, what kind of sweet food? What kind of um, mm-hmm. carbohydrates you like? That is going to be taught. Yeah, that is going to. You know, it's not a genetics of noodle eating. <laughs> it's going to be a genetics of of carbs. Yeah. But because I am Chinese and mm. and and therefore have whatever background that I have and what I was given as a kid, mm. you learn. And so therefore, it's you. There is. You're right. This susceptibility and propensity. Susceptibility. Mm. So it's, but yes, yeah, susceptibility, propensity, which is then shaped and influenced. And I don't like the term. I think. Um, we use it, but I don't like it. Nature versus nurture. Because I think it's a false dichotomy. I think it's nature via nurture. Where you actually Ooh. have your nature and then the environment, your education, yeah. your socioeconomic class, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and all of the things yeah. that, that you actually have around you. Because obviously shape. we do this as not biologically related. She's got nothing to do with me. But you have been in my life a long, <laughs> a long, long time, time. And you are responsible for my love of gin. Uh, that's very so, true. So, yeah. That's very true. So I would agree exactly. with that. See, yeah. this, is, this is the case A, uh, 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 my lord. This is where we have evidence. <laughs> and a lot of food influence as yeah. well. And when I first got together with your dad, I called him the feeder. Because yes. going back to, we were talking about metabolic rate, he can eat anything and everything so he's skinny is he is he is he skinny super skinny and is complaining at the moment because he loses weight so he needs to just eat more cake um it could also be your brother yes yeah your your, your brother takes after your dad that is is, is what you're saying see it's not because they're morally superior it's not willpower it is it is a lot a a lot of genes involved and this is why i argue that it's not a choice because because you know, we don't sit there thinking, I feel hungry. You you know, the people who feel they're morally superior and are not hungry are simply not hungry. This is the point. Yeah. Whereas if you were hungry, say, no matter how skinny you were, if you were hungry, imagine someone telling you, stop eating now. You says, well, I'm still hungry. Why am I going to stop eating? It's difficult. Yeah. Whereas people's, you got to imagine it like a thermostat. So for some people, their thermostat is slightly set slightly higher or lower. And their where they actually get to the point where they say, I'm fine now, I'm full, will, dif- will differ from person to, mm-hmm. to, to person. That is why it's not a choice. The environment has, has changed, which is why people think that, well, your, our genes haven't changed, you mm. know, so we are now, you know, larger than we were in the 70s, you know, so it can't be our genes. No, it's because the environment has allowed our genes to express themselves, mm-hmm. have allowed us to say, well, I fancy, because you're not starving to death. You just suddenly fancy a bowl of cereal or whatever. And if it's not there, you'll continue doing something else. You're not in pain. But if suddenly the ability is there to get whatever you want, mm-hmm. 
you just will do it. And particularly if you can afford it, you'll say, well, I fancy milk, so I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, going on affording it as well. Um, so you hear a lot about the fact that the cheapest mm-hmm. foods, and again, we always talk about how privileged we are here, mm-hmm. but you know, the cheapest foods aren't fruit and vegetables and they are the highly processed And you hear about foods. areas of food poverty. Um, absolutely. And and the foods that are available within that environment are not exactly the most healthiest, um, less Good fatty. Good English we have. Oh, I give up with English. <laughs> um, it's highly overrated. It is overrated. <laughs> And, and and the reason behind that is because of their highly processed nature, ultra processed foods, mm-hmm. famously, there's the words doing, doing the round. Because they're, it, so nomenclature, nomenclature. So people say that processed foods are bad. That's not true, right? Because it depends, because cooking is a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pickling is a process, right? Yeah. Distillation is a process, process yeah. right? And so that's, and and so, and so, palm ham and all of that are highly processed. Right? They're, and all, they're, really they're all yummy. processed foods. Ultra processed foods, however, are industrial processes that we mm. cannot, that it would be impossible for us to replicate in the kitchen or for that matter, for a restaurant to replicate. Mm-hmm. So in other words, uh, what we do when we cook and do whatever on a day-to-day basis is process the food, which is fine. It's the ultra-processing mm. in which an industrial yeah. uh, way. Now, the issue, the thing with industrial food is because it's industrially processed in giant factories, there is economies of scale. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Shelf life increases, mm-hmm. whether or not they're in a packet or frozen in a packet. Mm-hmm. And so therefore they're cheap. Yeah. And so now you then link Mrs. Smith, mm-hmm. who needs to have two minimum wage jobs in order to put to pay rent and feed mm-hmm. the kids, mm-hmm. suddenly thinking, well, okay, I now have to feed my kids. I've got a, mm-hmm. I've rent has been paid. Mm-hmm. This is the amount of money I have. Mm-hmm. How can I maximize the number of calories I can mm. with two ninety nine? And if this happens to be four pizzas from Iceland, yeah. mm. then who are we to judge? Yeah. Because mm. we are all middle class, and yeah. so we can yeah. choose to eat crap food, mm-hmm. or we can choose to go to the farmer's market or eat lentils yeah. or yeah. pulse, yeah. you know, whatever. And I think that's a very, very – it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. It's not talked about enough. Yeah. yeah, and equally on the other side as well, you can have a huge amount of money, but if you're working in the city and you're being squeezed dry through working 14-hour days, you're living off what you can get quickly. Coke. Exactly. If you're time yeah. poor, cash poor, <laughs> or time and cash poor. So the poor, yeah. the privilege, privilege comes in, I would argue, three different flavors. Mm-hmm. It, can, it can come in cash. This is what we typically think about privilege. It can come in time. Mm. This is mm. absolutely crucial. Mm. And it can come in knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay, where just because so, so people always tell me, well, listen, lentils are cheap. Yes, they are. But if you, you don't know, know how cheap. to cook them. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And 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 do you have the time and the wherewithal to pick up the knowledge and how to cook a lentil? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the point that people appear, you know, to to be. To, to, to be to be talking about mm. then what is this it's overly simplified mm. and it's a, it's a terrible thing and i think this whole thing has been exemplified by marcus rashford's um yes. campaign right this free yeah. school meal campaign yeah. for example yeah you know where nine million we have a we are a country an island of 60 65 million people mm. 
in which 9 million people are food insecure. 9 million. Mm -hmm. We're the sixth richest mm -hmm. country in the world. We can afford to pay our way into fourth on the Olympic tables, mm -hmm. all right? which is fine. I enjoyed the Olympics. <laughs> but we can't feed our kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is that privilege of, and if you haven't got that, then the environment is, you, you've got to go with what you've got there. And if the environment is there providing that cheap food that isn't necessarily nutritious... And that is another reason why obesity is not a choice. So, 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 so there is the biological reason. And so this is what I study uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. But that's only one element of it. So here's the interesting thing. So um, I, I told you that the heritability of body weight is between 40 and 70%. Okay. So I guess the question is why is there a range? Why didn't I give you a number? So what my um, – I've got a colleague down in UCL, which is a professor, Professor Claire Llewellyn, and she she runs a study called the Gemini study. It's a twin study. Yeah. There you go. Twins again. Twins. Twins. <laughs> but what's really interesting from a nerdy perspective, I don't know if you consider it interesting, I found it interesting, is that she's – what's unique and crucial is that she has food security information about her twins. And what she's shown is that if you go to middle-class folk like ourselves, okay, middle-class mm. twins like, like, like ourselves, the heritability of body weight is around 40%. Okay, mm. so it's at the lower mm. end. Yeah. Mm. Whereas if you go to the most food-insecure households, okay, mm. so the, the least privileged households, suddenly your heritability of body weight jumps to 70%. Wow. So, so and, and, and poor people are not genetically different to us middle-class mm. people. It's an accident of birth, okay? Mm. And it's not down to the mm. genes. And so what this tells us is that, put simply, put simply, if you were more susceptible to loving food more for the reasons we've discussed, mm. and you put them in a poorer food mm. environment where the cheapest foods are the unhealthiest foods, mm. then they're going to maximize their genetic mm. chances yeah. of becoming heavier. Whereas if we, who have carrot sticks and hummus in the fridge, okay, are able to make better choices for any number of reasons, including having the, the wherewithal to buy it, the mm. ability to soak black beans, mm. and actually the cash to make the choice we want to make, mm. Mm. then we actually at least go to the lower end of genetics. So this is a classic example of your genes interacting with the environment. And for some people who are in a poorer scenario, it is not a choice. It's mm -hmm. not a choice. Yeah. And it really, really annoys me when people tell me that, you, that you, you see that mother, you know, why is she, you, you know, buying those frozen pizzas? Make it from scratch. It's easy to make it uh, from scratch. Those people on Twitter who go, this meal cost me one pound to make and I got everything. Correct. Oh, I hate them. I'm not saying that we... We shouldn't try and improve our diets. Of course we do. Of course we need to try and improve everybody's food literacy. Okay. Mm. But we have mm. to be pragmatic. Mm. If food literacy involves four hours in a slow cooker, yeah. then it's not appropriate. Pragmatically, it's mm. not going to mm. work. Mm. How can we make the healthier choice the cheaper and more convenient choice? Mm. Once we get to that stage where if you're forced to make a decision, by default, it's a better choice. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can choose to eat junk food however much we want because we can afford to, to, to do that. But if you are forced to actually make a choice, why should their forced choice mean that they suffer mm -hmm. from, from ill health? Mm -hmm. Why can't their forced choice, because of their circumstances, be the healthier choice? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Mm. And I think it's going to take time to change. And I think this, there are no easy answers. I mean, what we'll go back to Marcus Rashford again. You know how he made, or he has made a series of YouTube videos together with Tom Carriage. Yes. Tom Carriage, another working, an, uh, a Michelin star chef, another working class boy done good. Mm. And what they've done is to, to actually make a series of YouTube videos on how you can make a healthy meal using a microwave only, for example, yeah. or or something simple. And that's what you need. So, mm-hmm. so you need people. And you might say, ooh, why, why are we using celebrities in order to do it? Because if we want to get the message out, yeah. okay, me banging on about it is not going to help anybody. It is, just isn't. Who's this bald Chinese guy? <laughs> Don't want to listen to him. But you, 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 use the, you, use, you use the advantages and you use the resources you have. And mm. what... That is a classic example in which you say that, okay, let's look at the situation. How do we make as healthy a meal as possible using limited resources? Mm -hmm. And we need to do that. Now, there are too many people, I'm going to argue, because I get yelled at by some people, Mm -hmm. all middle class, who say that I shouldn't be saying this because we should be making sure people cook from scratch and making sure that people do this and do that and buy, and buy this and that. Mm. I say, but you got to be pragmatic. Mm. Yeah. The, the government, Michael Marmot wrote the, oh. um, what, what, what is it? The, <laughs> he's one of my uh, so heroes. And, and he said, so he wrote a lot of the um, food insecurity things. And what he said, and it's true, where if you follow the government, the health department um, guidelines for healthy eating, the bottom 10% of society would spend anywhere from two-thirds, around two-thirds mm. of their income mm. on trying to eat healthy. So it's fine. We 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 should follow the government mm. health uh, uh, lines because we can afford to. Mm-hmm. But how about those bottom 10% mm-hmm. who need to pay rent? Mm. So what are we going to do about them? Let them die? What what what, what are we going to do? It's, 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 so, so I think we need solutions for different people, we are not a major. While, while obesity and overweight is sort of a problem amongst us, actually, we need to worry about, there needs to be different approaches mm-hmm. for different people. Mm-hmm. And this includes biologically different people, mm-hmm. ethnically mm-hmm. different people, and socioeconomic class bands yeah. of people because you need to offer the appropriate advice uh, um, um, for your appropriate situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, marketeers have been using um, famous people forever to sell their cereals. So we might as well use our famous yes. faces, yeah. yeah, who are used, who are who are wanting to do something good, yeah. and and they, well, I mean, he's he's not he's doing it himself. No one is making him do it. The government and fighting him. So. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but that matter. Don't. But absolutely, absolutely. And I think that we have to use all of the tools mm-hmm. as society all of the tools at hand to target all of the people at highest risk yeah. um, mm-hmm. as, as a priority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people have asked me, what would I do if I were, you know, after we have this similar kind of discussion, well, what would I do if I were PM for the, for, for, mm-hmm. for the day? Okay. Um, and I guess the simplest answer to, to, to my view would be, I would subsidize healthy foods. So yeah. not just, not just carrots uh, uh, and bananas, but actually uh, we can define what healthy is. But when you walk into a supermarket, you know, you want to make the healthier choice of all classes of foods, from from carrots and potatoes to uh, mm. uh, frozen lasagnas, you know, mm. to, to anything yeah. that is there. Make sure the healthier option is, is cheaper mm-hmm. than the unhealthier option. And could we do it? I think we could. Does it need thinking about? Of course it does. Mm-hmm. Is it easy? I don't think it is, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And that's what I would do. I would subsidize healthy food because that's the only way that we're going to be able to solve obesity and diet-related illnesses in some form of equitable fashion. Food education must get better. 
go and write a letter to your local MP. Well, I, yeah, I think, well, education in general, because I think food education, like many other subjects, only suffices to put you off it. Yeah, yeah. I actually made a curry during catering, catering GCSE that smelt so bad I almost threw up. So, like, <laughs> that wasn't my best moment. I'm a much better You are not. Now. You are not. Oh, are you? Are I you? Am. You're not selling it to me. No, seriously, Sarah, please, please back me so up here. I was, I was doing a fruit cobbler yeah. and my... Dad said, oh, I've got I some love stewed... A cobbler. Yeah, so my dad said, I've got some stewed apples in the freezer. I'll get those out. You can use them. Took them to school, put them in. But it was leek and potato soup. <laughs> <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> but I love a leek and potato soup. Not with the rest of the fruit in a cobbler, you don't. No, that's true. <laughs> Ew. Mm. It was grim. Yeah, that's bad. It was really, yeah. really grim. Yeah. Going back to talk, people, when they talk about diets and food, mm. get very... Heads up about it. They do. Mm. They get, it's almost like a personal attack on someone when you when you talk about you know what 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 they are eating. And I think we need to almost take a we need to take a step back and and have a mature discussion about our food environment. Mm-hmm. And top on the agenda is to continue to say that obesity is not a choice. And I keep banging on mm. about this because while people still think it's a choice. The solutions that are going to be suggested and put forward by the government are never going to match the reality, mm-hmm. the biology, or the environment that people people are living in. Because personal responsibility is not going to fix your biology, and it's certainly not going to fix your socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we know that there's biology and socioeconomic status involved, then we can fix socioeconomic status and we can fix the environment to actually help the people who are more susceptible. Mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge it at all levels, in particular government, that obesity is not a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. I think we've acknowledged that. Mic drop moment. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. It's been brilliant. Excellent. And we totally agree. Obesity is not a choice. Gin, however, is. Oh. Gin, however, this is a, I I finished the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I stopped because I started getting, I didn't, I'm not pissed, but I started getting, I said, I, if I drink a lot more, I might start getting too honest. It's been brilliant. And Mm. I've really enjoyed both gins. Yeah. Really enjoyed your angel gin. Yeah. Um, and love the fact that if I want it again, I have to order an awful lot of wine. We could do that. But we can we definitely can do that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> and the pink one is surprisingly lovely. I like a pink gin at the minute. And I'm going it's very, to... It's very nice. Very summery. I, I found that a very summery... Um, um, I, would, I would say this is a very good summer garden party option. It, it, a good option to replace pims. Yes. Well, I want to experiment with this because there are recipes for cocktails on oh. on their pairing recommendations, and one of them looked really, really nice. Oh. Um, so we're gonna gonna experiment with the rest of the bottle. <laughs> not now, not now. Oh, now it's dinner. Oh, okay. Oh, but, good. Yeah. Is it noodles? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it's all not. I want now is noodles. <laughs> Thank you so much, Charles. It's been brilliant. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Debrief, debrief. Is obesity a choice? No. Fuck no. No. No, it isn't. It is a choice if you are privileged to be able to have choice. But feel free to make that choice. We won't judge you. 
But then it's choice. Yeah. And that freedom of having the ability to choose. But even then it's a choice, but also genetics play a role in it. Totally. And your ethnicity plays a role in it. And your sex plays a role in it. Totally. So. And body shape mm-hmm. and uh, socioeconomic background. Yeah. I can say that even though I've had a gin and a bit. Well done. I'm proud of you. I can still say words. Well done. <laughs> Look at that. I'm okay. proud of yourself. And there's a reason why my comfort food is carbs. There is. Which I love. And there's a reason why I comfort eat. Yeah. And drink. And the, actually, I think that's, again, is that awareness yeah. of what we do. But sometimes it makes me happy. And not, and not just being influenced by what society is telling us yeah. is right. Mm-hmm. And on the whole, as we knew, BMI, bollocks. But actually, BMI really useful when you're looking general population. Yeah. But actually only when you're looking at trends of general yeah. population. Yeah. So you use it as a base yeah. to then measure it's against. talking just about you? BMI, about you? Bollocks. Yeah. Weight about you. Bollocks. Bollocks. It's all about where you're storing your fat. Yeah. And how you feel in yourself. And how whether you're storing more fat mm-hmm. than your fat cells can mm-hmm. cope with. Mm-hmm. And that has still just blown my mind because I'm like, oh, I have a certain number of fat cells and they could just grow. But once they've grown to that point, mm-hmm. that's when I have to stop. Yeah. And you've got to just keep those fat cells in check. Mm-hmm. But therefore, don't suck them out of your body. Don't suck them out Don't of your suck body. them out. Because they're important. Because you look great anyway. And we love it's you. just society being you shit. You're wonderful. So on that note, loving you just the way you are. Loving and leaving you. Yeah. That's nice, isn't it? Yes. Oh, we should end them all like that. <laughs> we'll see you me. next week. <laughs> Bye. you enjoyed that little episode you got to the end so hopefully you did <laughs> that's very true <laughs> well done if you'd like more content from us then you can follow us on instagram you can and you'll also find our chief gin taster the gin monkey with tasting notes of all the gins that we're tasting in the series go on to instagram so it's worth following yeah yeah topic gin topic gin same on twitter same on twitter send us a little tweet yeah we're on facebook too topic gin keeping it all nice and simple and you can email us you can if you want at hello at ginandtopic.com if you click subscribe as well that would be really handy reviews tell people you to do and we'll be back next week with another episode i know and another guest and another gin yay And don't forget to join me and Emma in our new tasting room on Sunday and she can tell us all about the gin.